Welcome back to Almost Famous Minute, where we're discussing the 2000 Cameron Crowe film Almost Famous, one minute at a time. I'm Eric Nash from Feels Like Weezer. I'm Jarf from Joe vs. The Minute. And I am Justin Cox from After the Deluge, an unofficial Jackson Brown podcast. Oh, great to have uh, both of you back. It's been a long week, right? Wink, wink. (laughs) (laughs) Hopefully, Justin, for you, here's our old uh, movie by minute uh, joke. You've been sleeping on the couch, though, right? (laughs) Did you find that relaxing? Just kicking back backstage of the movies by minute, concert hall, drinking some beers with your fellow podcasters. <laughs> um, so yeah, so like you're uh, pointing out, Jarf, uh, we're at minute 77, and it starts with Dennis giving an example and ends with Dennis asking rhetorical questions which totally reminds me of <laughs> the, the, the Carrie Elwes character in Seinfeld <laughs> that, that uh, Elaine is dating at one point. <laughs> I don't remember that. Where I know. You got to refresh yeah. on which, which Elaine boyfriend this is. Well, like I said, Carrie Elwes from Princess Bride, um, Wesley. Uh, and he's, uh, he, it's actually that, that he likes to answer the questions that he asks. It's not just, just that they're rhetorical, but it's that, that he likes to uh, ask, ask questions and then answer them himself when uh, conversing with her, apparently. Nice. But uh, yeah, so I'm so glad to have you both back. And like I said, uh, we got Dennis here going on his uh, long, long biggest diatribe, um, you know, about how good of a manager he could be in, in place of seemingly Dick. But I mean, I think we know that doesn't exactly happen that way um, further into the movie. Uh, and it's actually kind of more that Dick should really just be a road manager you know, where, or, 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 you know, almost more like an assistant you know, to the band instead of the one that's, you know, doing all the plans and getting, getting these uh, people, various uh, uh, venue uh, people, uh, owners, uh, managers uh, figured out and so forth. But uh, you know, you know, and so, and so what Dennis is saying there from the last minute was your mana, your manager here needs a manager. Yeah, I think it's easy. I said this a little last week, but like, I think it's easy to just like be like, oh, this is like the corporate dick that they're sending in to like do this. But I mean, he's basically saying within the first few sentences you hear of him, like your manager needs a manager. He's not going anywhere. But if you want to do this other stuff as you like, Mm -hmm. if and you want to take this, like ride this ascent and this energy, your manager needs a manager. Like he kind of doesn't, He's kind of not lying to him. He's slippery in his way that the other guy who's their buddy isn't, but he's, he's saying like, yo, if you want to be playing arenas and stuff like that, this is, you're going to need a person like me who understands how this tangled web works. Yeah. That's exactly why I, I had a lot of questions about this scene because when I dug into it, it, it doesn't really seem to be following this thesis that the movie presents uh, mm-hmm. that, like, that money is the ruination of rock and roll because he, and I'm the last person to be pro-capitalist, but he is making good points. The, the point about how they could have sued uh, when who was it that got electric Russell got electrocuted yeah like there was probably medical expenses that that's that was sound advice and obviously them going on a plane does wind up in near disaster uh, so I don't know if they that's just meant to be like metaphorical Icarus flew too close to the sun no, but <laughs> It is true that they could play more dates with the plane, get around the country faster. And so their, their re- negative reaction to that didn't make sense to me. And this 
dichotomy that they set up where they say, it's not about playing more dates. It's about connecting with the fans and turning people on. First of all, the like, I gag at that expression, turning people on. Yeah. But it's, it's, it's simultaneously a perfect line for this movie and like the, the worst cliche line. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's, but like play more dates versus connecting with the fans. Why not both? That's, that's my question. And so I just feel like they're not, they, they are saying, okay, like um, the money first mentality is going to strangle the true artistry. Uh, but, but I don't see how it is. What are your I'm thoughts? I'm, I'm kind of with you on it. It's like you, what he's talking about is like, you're, you're, you're stepping into a deeper end of a pool than you have been in before. And so like what he's offering is a genuine actual, like, like someone who could help you understand how to live in that space. But also it just, so it's like, I think, and I think he's kind of being honest in his way about it, but also you, he's just got the slight stink of like a salesman. That's like, well, I don't know, actually, I don't know actually if what you're saying about us, and him getting electrocuted is true. When you bring up the the ice below the Chicago Blackhawks stadium, it's like, what? Like, I I guess yeah, but like that that's that sounds very scary and almost like, well, yeah, I, I would never even think of that. And it, it, it's it's like the kind of thing that's like it makes you realize there's so much about this world that this band doesn't know because they're sort of rapidly ascending in this moment. But also there's a little bit of pause and caution about like, who's this guy? This guy might be in his place because he's so savvy at this speech, basically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and you mentioned like medical expenses. Well, my, my take on that though is the, you know, I don't think you know, they had any medical expenses. <laughs> they just wrapped them up real quick <laughs> and, and got them on the bus and, and, you know, virtually nothing else until now ever, ever, you know, was there was any indication that, that there was any kind of issue with that further. <laughs> That's, That's a very true. good point. See, I, I, this is why it is hard to me, for me to, relate to the mindset of like a young rock and roll band just starting out because I'm like, you know, you got to take care of your health. I am like, (laughs) (laughs) like a pragmatic and and thoughtful middle-aged guy trying to stay healthy. And so I I don't have that thing in me where it's like, nope, just like wrap it up. The show must go on. I feel you. And, and if I'm like, Eric, you can refresh us, but like when that happens, when he gets electrocuted, it's it's maybe he doesn't know the ropes of all the stuff that that uh, Jimmy Fallon's talking about, but like right. he he kind of snaps into hard action, right? He's like, "Get my people out of here! We're gone!" They bust through the fence, like that's he's he's not in his like I know the ropes of the insurance company and and lawyers and stuff, but he's sort of like he's got their back with like like clarity, yeah. Well, and he's got he's got their back with his uh, uh, karate moves or vice versa. I forget. Which. <laughs> right. It's, it's Mark right. Mar- it's Mark Maron's character as the the manager owner, what have you, of the of the venue. <laughs> and, That's uh, right. Yeah, it's you know, so it's funny that Jimmy Fallon is referring. You know, two comedians are referring to each other, but this this whole movie is littered with comedians. With especially especially besides these two, it's mostly in the hotel lobby scenes. <laughs> so when we get the the most uh, other comedians happening. Yeah. I just know like if someone, if, if someone tells you something like that, like that, that you owe more money than you're making, like a line, like it's not about the money. It's about turning people on. Like, yeah. It's a, like, yeah, well, I mean, it's it's it can't only be about turning people on. You gotta like, not only it's not necessarily live in excess, but you you gotta be you can't be just going in debt doing this, you know, for the for the purpose of turning people on. Like any person who has any like 
sense of keeping their life together is going to try and think about how this stuff is like adding up to a certain degree. I feel like it would, it would draw a sharper line between these two positions that they're trying to present. If Dennis asked them to, to change their music somehow to make it more commercially viable. So then it's, then it's the decision between artistry mm. and mm-hmm. making money. He's just suggesting logistical changes to how they do their tour. It's true. Yeah, he's not, he's not, he's not doing that like thing that we all associate with like, oh, the label tried to change this person in this way. He's just saying like, uh, hop from city to city more quickly in a plane and have a better sense of uh, the like, costs from city to city and you're going to be you're going to run a sound operation that's if anything that's something they just don't really have to even worry about just just accept that and be fine yeah uh well uh we do have another uh at the at the end of this first segment of of his before uh you know the, the you know the russell and jeff retort um Essentially, I'm, I'm pretty sure this is where it goes on, and, and Dennis continues on a little bit after, you know, we could add more shows to make up the difference, respectfully. Uh, he then uh, goes on. But on the distasteful subject of money, since we were just talking about it, <laughs> good oh. um, just know that you're all making it right now. It's all out there. I'm just talking about bringing it back here. So that's, that's, that's very much, uh, you know, going to your point. Yeah. He's, he's not, he's not after, you know, it further, you know, justifies what you're saying about the, it's not about the artistry that he has any kind of issue with. Yeah. I think, I don't know. I think, I actually think it's like a, a testament to the writing in this movie that that character, that Fallon's character is not like a, an archetype, like a corporate archetype. He's like, he's more, he's more, a more nuanced, like, he is the guy coming in telling them to do this in this way that will appease the like bigger label or whatever they're moving up to, but he's not doing that. It's not in a cartoonish way. It's in like purely kind of ways that are almost like sensible and probably super realistic really. And then what's also funny is that it's setting up the fact that that plane scene is going to come later without like it's effortlessly setting up that scene later. Yeah, that's, I agree. Because in a lot of this story, in a lot of other people's hands, the new manager that comes in, the Dennis Hope, would be Alan Cumming from Josie and the Pussycats. Like 100% <laughs> slimy, like yeah, basically evil, like you said, Justin, cartoonish. And, and he, it's not that. Like there is a lot more of shades of gray there yeah he's he's he is the person taking this like little band of dudes and like saying hey you got to get a little more serious but not he's he's just not maliciously so you know like although although i like appreciate and understand the resistance to it too it's like everyone actually weirdly like everyone in this scene in it's they're they're all kind of Speaking pretty honestly. Maybe it's a, a through line in Cameron Crowe's work where he, he doesn't want to tell these stories where it's like the heroes and the villains <laughs> and, and, and things are so stark like that. He lets you follow these people that are just being pulled around by life by these opposing forces and it's not necessarily like one person is right and one person is wrong. It's just, it's like the conflicts of growing up and, and you know, deciding what are your values and where are you going to compromise? Uh, so, I mean, you definitely, you see that in things that he wrote, like Fast Times at Ridgemont High, it's like yeah. young people and like life is moving too fast for them. And yeah, so, it's just, it's just a bunch of people who are the people that they are. They're not, it's not good people and bad people. It's just like a bunch of people coming together. And I don't know. And in this, like 
Eric, maybe you know this. Like, I think that they say in this scene or at some point else in the movie, they've have they put out two albums and they're putting out their third or they're like, where are they in their trajectory? Yeah. Yeah. I think this is, this, this tour is on the back of, you know, of the third. I don't think they have it, you know, in a studio and it's just being, you know, they're going to master it soon or anything like that. As far as I know, I mean, I just have, I'm pretty sure it was said much earlier on that, you know, yeah, this is, this is, this is with the third having just come out, the third album having just come out. Yeah. And, and yeah, I mean that, that far in, you know, and, and how many previous <laughs> tours have they done even with Dick and, and, and his possibly, you know, poor, poor management style, <laughs> according to Dennis least. What I wonder is like, there's, there's band members in this band and like, I'm sure that I know there's a ton of fun and charm and romance and everything we project on touring around on the bus, but like, is is like there's got to be some level of being like god i would love to just like pop from city to city on a plane <laughs> like there's a lot of romance around doris the bus and and like i'm i'm romanticized by traveling around in a tour bus it sounds that's it I've, I've read and watched and listened to enough rock and roll lore that like that's just cool but you know like in reality it probably sucks too you know it sucks too Well, well, there's there's two things I think there that you know are, are both <laughs> reliant a bit on, you know, on on what we've already said the, the previous minute. So that's fine. It's it's you know the upcoming playing scene, you know, it's it's uh, you know, there's they certainly get scared. <laughs> Let's just leave it at that. <laughs> and and for and for a reason that that is in the rock lore. It's you know, yeah. it's Buddy Holly and Big Bopper and Richie Valens and their plane crash. It's and the earliest the earliest rockers there in the late 50s that uh man right there in your like recurring feature leonard skinner goes down in one yeah. stevie ray vaughn goes down there's in something. more around this time yeah that's for sure yeah. and then the other thing about though around this time of a band that is definitely high on the list of the other of the of the possible of the of the four that are most commonly believed <laughs> to make up a band uh zeppelin and, and they're playing i mean they're there's there's some pictures i've seen that are just like i mean they have it decked out with some amazing like you know couch couches situation and and just people just hanging out and having a looks like pretty good time or about ready to you know with with their groupies with them and yeah something like a part that i just thought was like like so they're talking about this this issue of like yeah, it's re- like his whole speech, like you said, is all about like optimizing efficiency. It's not about compromising your your artistry or anything. And and so when they're talking about like taking the plane instead of the bus and everything, uh, Jason Lee's character says, yeah. "You like we've we've been traveling in Doris since we were called the Jeff BB Band." And I don't know if he ever said, talks about the Jeff BB Band again, but like there's this constant there's this kind of recurring power struggle between Jeff's character and Russell's character the whole time, which is like always interesting to me. The idea of like, they talk about it, like the, the singer and the like, like enigmatic guitarist, or I can't remember what, what word they use, but like that, that to me is such good writing because you're saying like, you're just, you're talking about the van. You're talking about like, We've had that. We've had Doris the van since we were the Jeff Beebe band, and in that throwaway line, you're learning like, oh damn, this band used to be named after the singer. This band was literally named after the singer. Or, yeah, or, or, or some some kind of you know other version of it. I mean, maybe maybe Larry or the drummer, or or, or maybe even it was Russell that was maybe a different you know had come in. You know, yeah. it, you know it was it was it's at least it's a, it's at least a holdover of the one member that that band was apparently named after yeah exactly <laughs> but, and now there's still water and now these guys yeah. are and now these guys are all in this band together and these two guys are sort of clashing over attention stuff throughout the movie and yeah. i mean it, it 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 is possible though that it was all four of them and, and no no personnel change and they just just they decided for whatever reason to make it more democratic or something <laughs> uh, yeah 
name to have a name change occur. But yeah, and 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 before before this minute, I don't you know it, in my uh, the way I've been note taking and uh, uh, I, I keep the script uh, in in this Google Doc as I go, and I don't I don't have any forward of here uh, ready to go in this in this uh, file. But uh, at least previously, yeah, no no previous mention was made of. Uh, be, you know, I, I did a search for BB band, you know, with with the space, but no, I don't know any other word that could go, could fit between there that that, that would uh, be excluded when I'm doing a search. Yeah. So I have to think that that was the first mention. That, that this is the first time we've kind of got that take on on what's what happened previously. Yeah. I I my my like like personal projection on that band is that this guy had this thing going on brought a band together then it became a full band that becomes still water but it starts with this this yeah. this guy but then by the time it's going like i'm perpetually fascinated by the idea of the like sort of uh lead guitarist like russell becoming the focal point of the band like the key yeah. interview subject everything like that I'm, that's the kind of thing that could come up in like half the minutes on this podcast i think but it's i, I love the dynamic between jeff and russell sure oh yeah yeah that was such a big thing back for the t-shirt minute and and definitely uh highlighting uh i think uh dick's dick dick being the the friend of russell's um but i'm but it's it's it was so nice last minute you know that uh that uh dick was was uh shown a little love it seemed seemingly from jeff but uh but then but then like like you mentioned jeff comes around to this minute and Jeff is uh, shouting out the <laughs> Doris as being the soul. <laughs> Jeff, you know, I mean, is Doris like another version of a muse of, of, of the band-aids of Penny Lane herself being amused to Russell that Doris is kind of Jeff's muse. <laughs> seemingly. Yeah. I bet. I think we talked about something in last week, but I bet, there's Doris can't be a totally random name. Doris has to be referring to someone. Mm. Mm-hmm. I'd be curious. Maybe that's that's Cameron Crowe's alone. Yeah, it's definitely not his mother's name. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'd I'd recognize that if that were the case. Yeah. Wow. Mm. Were you surprised at all that the band has such a sentimental attachment yeah. to Doris? At this, I, so I got an an argument with my wife about this because I thought if you're if you're touring the country in in a bus and we see inside the bus, it's just a, like a regular school bus, bench seats, doesn't look super comfortable. If if that's your home away from home for hours on end on the road, I would think you might have. At least some negative feelings towards the bus. It's like we just did the show; it was great. Now I'm tired. Pack it all up. Uh, back on the bus. Uh, it's um, so. And you know there are those stretches of a of a tour that can kind of drag. So, were you surprised when they be, they become so defensive when Dennis suggests? that they take a plane is like, Oh no, Doris is the soul of this band. What did you say? I, about? I think it's cut. It's cut from the same cloth of like, we're all about turning people on. It's like it borders on like rock and roll cliche, but I kind of want this movie to border on rock and roll cliche. And I'm, um, I'm there with it, but it, but that to me is what it feels like is like, we travel by bus. We are a rock and roll band and, it's like I enjoy it, but also slightly think it's like, uh, really? You want to drive like nine hours <laughs> from Cleveland? You want to drive nine hours from Cleveland to Philly with people you hate right now? Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sorry if I got the nine hours from Cleveland to Philly wrong. I just mm. guessed it. Might be an hour or two shorter. Yeah. <laughs> if I'm ever listening to a podcast and, and something that like, like that comes up 
and sorry if you are a podcast host and you've ever done this, yeah. but when they say, okay, well, let's see, it's, it's Cleveland to Philly. I'm looking up. Yes, that would be eight hours and four. I'm like, I don't really care. I mean, sometimes it does help if you're like trying to figure out the timeline of things that happened, but, yeah. just, but we don't, we don't need to know every arbitrary detail. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, the very next thing then that Dennis says is, I think I, I I would classify as at least for this scene, there's 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 like the three things I think you can kind of go to in your head and and think about or and maybe even quote. I don't know if I don't know if I've quoted <laughs> any of these. Maybe maybe just one the one the one that kind of stands out the more, most of the next two for the next minute. That unfortunately you guys won't, aren't able to continue on. I have a couple other guests lined up for that uh that we're able to jump in um but um so so this next line is hey man i'd travel on a pogo stick if i thought it if i thought we could make more money <laughs> but just i travel on a pogo stick if whatever you know you could <laughs> whatever you're talking about i think that could be uh you know extremely e- easily quotable and i think from you know from from doing this you know i think i will just up up my own uh quote factory <laughs> quotient what have you i love i love that he says it in part because it's it's just an it's like i couldn't think of a more inefficient way to travel yeah right (laughs) it's just awful (laughs) (laughs) and so it's good in that way pogo sticks and unicycles yeah 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 traveling on a pogo stick is not something that's like virtually ever talked about except for maybe on this one instance i mean unless someone else happened to make kind of a similar joke in quotes (laughs) um i mean in a sense it's a fun it's funny for us but it's certainly not making anyone there in in the scene laugh (laughs) but um yeah it's you know let's talk about the pogo stick or like you said the unicycle things that are (laughs) Uh, used for fun and not at all to actually get somewhere. It's just his way of like hyperbolically saying like, this is about, this is about making money right now, which is, is actually what his job is to come in and do, but also like, you never know the slippery slope of what you've heard enough, like music stories that like, the slippery slope of like agreeing to one thing. And the next thing you know, you are sacrificing artistically, but this guy's not going anywhere near any of that. It's just about like, let's optimize our, our operation. And I think, yeah, I travel on a pogo stick for a minute. I profit from this thing. One thing I'd give as a counterpoint about them having this attachment to Doris, they did just have their tiny dancer moment on the bus. So, God, yeah, you could see how they're having like the particular sentiment about like we actually like, but like that is the time when we connect. That the time in between shows when we just get to hang out. So, and they don't want to just be whisked from town to town and just be constantly like get on the plane, off the plane, play the show, back on the plane, and so. I I actually I actually retract any devil's advocate advocate points I made about the plane now because I want to be back on the bus now after you say that. <laughs> that's that's a magical moment. Yep, and and Russell's next line is is the one we've been talking about a good bit. You know about he says it's not about money; it's about playing music and turning people on. And and Dennis just <laughs> you know just says these two words clearly, respectfully. <laughs> and it's it's just you know i mean he's not saying okay i understand or anything it's, it's 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 these other kinds of words that you know from from his point of view as as this possible man new manager for this band and we'll find out even more about again next minute <laughs> that kind of gets turned turned on its head <laughs> a bit more um but he wants to be respectful <laughs> towards the band, but uh, continues continues to uh, uh, hype his abilities with the with the last or, or no? Uh, I'm sorry. Wait a second. Yeah, yeah. It is how we end the minute here momentarily uh, with with uh, him saying, uh, you know, do you know how to keep from getting charged for the ice below the floorboards? Which which we've also mentioned a little bit before too. Um, and and the second question: Do you know how to do a headlining tour? 
and then finally a do you know that that is just like like do you think that's a real thing do you think like the people at the like stadium in chicago if you don't know you're gonna get charged like a couple thousand dollars because the the blackhawks need to play hockey on the ice underneath it or that's just a incredibly hardcore cutthroat like fear sales tactic to then follow up with do you know how to do a headline tour as if those two things are are the same to a band like on the brink of bigger success that they don't know like uh, to me that's that to me I, I have no idea about that like chicago stadium ice thing but that's of course you don't think about that no one's thinking about that that is a great question yeah. it's really powerful to me i mean how much how much is this going to save you know because because you know, you do it once and you pay for it once, but you're, dear God, you're never going to pay for it again, right? You're going to, you are going to figure it out. I mean, there's also the, you know, Dennis saying, do you know how to keep from getting charged? You know, it's not, it's just that you know that you're going to get charged, <laughs> but there's also apparently some <laughs> unknown way to, but, but he has, he does have the secret key. It's, it's specific. Wow. It's specific on a level that is like it, it implants itself into your head as a band. It's like, I don't want to worry about this. I just want to turn people on. Like you're talking about hockey teams ice under a stadium and not just any stadium, but specifically Chicago's stadium. Yeah, right. Like that's just enough to be like, well, shit, I don't, I don't actually know. And then the next question is, do you know how to run a headlining tour? And you're just like, uh, well, maybe I don't. And that's just, it's like a weird, powerful like in reality, it's probably the ugliest that Fallon's character gets. But then again, maybe he's right. Maybe these people, maybe the people in all of these cities that are trying to like book you are looking to exploit you in every single way. And you need a person who understands how they're going to do that. And then in that case, this person becomes a necessary kind of like person on your side. I don't know. Yeah, it's like a big logistical specialist flex. <laughs> yeah, that's a good way to put hey, it. Hey, that's, that's, that's the title. <laughs> big logistical <laughs> episode, or what, big logistical what? Specialist, specialist flex. flex. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Are there any any further notes, guys? J- uh, Jarf? I, I just had one. Yeah. So Justin was talking about the dynamic um, uh, between the two leads. Uh, and, and I found an interview between Neil Preston and Mark Marin mm-hmm. oh, yeah. on the Tumblr. That's about almost famous. You will be cool. And, and he, he was talking about just that. So it's, uh, Neil Preston says, well, everything in Almost Famous is pretty much real. Yeah. Mark Marin. That was about the Allman Brothers tour, right? Neil. The character that Billy Crota played, that's a bit of Greg Allman. Yeah. The band itself, I think Cameron would tell you, is an amalgam of a lot of bands that had two competing creative entities. Mm-hmm. You know, John and Paul, Don and Glenn, Mick and Keith, Jimmy and Robert, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And then he gets into this thing that happens later in the movie. So I, I don't know. It's, it's, I don't know how far into spoilers. Oh, and go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, and, and also super creepy. Um, yeah. But he says, now this is Neil Preston again. The actual girl who got traded for a case of beer was, let's just say a groupie I used to fraternize with. And then he laughs. And uh, so Mark says, so that's a real incident? Oh, yeah. That's sort of sad, huh? And then Bill pauses and says, yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That was from from the um, WTF podcast that Marin did or does. Dang, that is sad. (laughs) But I, but I, but knowing about the like all the stuff about the competing um 
competing personalities and bands like that's cool yeah and uh, you know, so like a bunch of the bands that we've already talked about are in there but john and paul wait, did yeah. he reference john and paul earlier in the movie when he was like oh we've got our roles established in this band not not that scene no and and there were even deleted deleted you know a couple other band members that were referenced there but what not john and paul positive because because that's i mean that's that's my biggest thing is i'm I'm just that's my number one band beatles and and uh you know i mean there there is further reference down the line a little bit for for a little beatles reference coming up but um yeah until now no i don't think you i don't think you can like i don't think you can put john and paul in that same like yeah dynamic i'm glad he didn't yeah they they worked for 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 at least a good amount of their of the beatles time you know they they worked extremely well together um yeah yeah and i think i've i i have heard paul phrase it have you know maybe maybe uh, you know coming from a question of you know using the word competition competition and i think he might have half agreed to that but it's it's there's also i mean it's also i mean there's an amazing love that they had for each other too they that they that they found each other when they did and and they made this yeah. songwriting partnership work so well to produce what they did and no doubt no doubt like friction exists and everything like that like yeah. especially right. late but like i just see them as like two parallel things happening versus yeah like what you see yeah. in this movie and what you see in Led Zeppelin or something well, like that. Like I, know? like I think I said last minute, you know, I don't, I don't think we have a good clear indication that, that Jeff is the lyricist necessarily. I mean, maybe, maybe, you know, and, and I, I certainly have said before, I mean, Hey, you know, I mean, well, actually the beginning of the, of that last concert, he's sitting down at the piano um, and he does play guitar, you know, and that's, uh, that's also coming from uh uh, Jason Lee's abilities as well, um, yeah. supposedly, and actually he's he's kind of a better instrumentalist than he is a singer, and that's why they <laughs> overdubbed him with another person. But um, you know whether or not he's a lyricist, whether or not you know uh, the songwriting, you know between uh, really it could be all four of them. All four of them could have could have this very queen like, I think, actually. Uh, from what I know of them, uh, capability uh, as a band, you know, to to jump around and have different uh, songs written, you know, and that's, that's a bit Beatles too, but but Queen actually took it a step further, I think. Yeah. Uh, my my last addition to this one is is just that um, anybody listening to this should know that like the next minute you get gets um, Dennis delivering like reaching his like climactic moment talking about Mick Jagger on stage at age fifty. So you should definitely listen to that because that's coming at you in the next minute, and it's just it's a gorgeous line. And and it's not just the line; <laughs> it's what he does. Nice little mini yeah. Mick Jagger impersonation. It's so it's so, it's perfect. It's I really perfect. In just two yeah, nights from now, <laughs> I should be recording. Um, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, it's so, so perfect. Yeah. And I say that as a person who saw I saw like a oh. I've gotten to see really old Rolling Stones before. So yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, cool. Well, uh, so yeah, today can, let's uh, continue on with you, Justin. Um, you get to uh, rank the four bands of uh, Almond Brothers, Eagles, Led Zeppelin, and Leonard Skinner. And are you going to go favorite to least, or least to favorite? I'm going to go. F- I'm going to go favorite to least. Um, and I think I'm going to like decide between my two and three as I say them, at, like depending on how I feel at yeah. the moment. So number one, number one's Almond Brothers. Almond Brothers, I. I adore the Allman Brothers. Um, and yeah, like live at Fillmore East and it's not a question. Um, 
I have like really, really, I have like a deep, deep adoration for the first couple of Leonard Skinner albums. The problem is that it, it, it's like the, the career short after that and it goes pretty badly. Um, and then the Eagles, I have like a, like solid five, six albums that I love a lot of stuff on. I don't, I'm, I'm going to say Allman Brothers, Eagles, Leonard Skinner, Led Zeppelin, which I'm, I'm pretty public about Led Zeppelin being my fourth among those bands. I'm fine with it. Yeah. I think you I might be, need, you might be our first fourth. For Led Zeppelin. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't need to see cool. one more. I'm fine. Yeah. Someday, someday you will be cool. Led Zeppelin's a cool band. I get it. I like them. I get how talented they are. This is a situation where I like all the bands on this list, but um, as a okay. person who like likes to sit like in my room and play an acoustic guitar, they they lend themselves to least the least to that. Yeah. And um, I don't know that I you know I have no problem putting them last, and I my tussle is really only over Leonard Skinner and the Eagles, but Leonard Skinner have a pretty tarnished legacy for me, so. Yeah, to say the least. Yeah. Well, great. Uh, yeah, that's 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 interesting. Yeah, both of you uh, so similar for the first two. Though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, almond and eagles. <laughs> the eagles. The eagles have been killed since post Lebowski, and for a lot of times justifiably, yeah, and yeah. a lot of times not. Mm-hmm. So I, I I'm glad I got to share this jarf uh, this episode yeah. with a fellow <laughs> eagles person. Sweet. Uh, so, uh, Jarf, uh, you can you should uh, let us know about your history. Uh, when when did you first see it, and and further? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, two thousand. Don't remember seeing it in the theater. So, it's, I it's, um, would have rented the DVD. This was uh, shortly after we moved to West Philly. And uh, so, and was coming into it a huge fan of say anything. So, like that is one of the main things that drew me to the movie. And also was a fan of uh, Jason Lee, and uh, and really loved it right off the bat. Like watched it a bunch in those early uh, early years after release, like similar to what Justin said, um, it's probably smoked up a bunch of times that I watched it in those early years, if I'm being honest. Uh, And, uh, and, you know, I love the iconic scenes. I love just being swept along um, with them for the journey. Uh, And, and that's, and I have a pet theory since we're talking about the movie, it's at large. I'm probably not the only person to propose this. And I'm sorry, I don't remember if this came up when you were at those early points in the movie with William's sister. But my theory is that William's sister is a time traveler. And that's why she's able to give him some albums from Cameron Crowe's yeah, right. personal collection yeah. that hadn't been released yet. Um, and, and that's, that's why she tells him, uh, Oh, you know, it's, um, you'll see your whole future. If it, yeah, what is it? Hey. If you listen to Tommy um, with a and light a candle. And that's also why she can tell him with confidence someday you will be cool. Yeah. So <laughs> it's, that, that, that's the way that I like to look at it. And then, it's been a lot of fun getting back into the movie because it is, you know, again, like Justin had been many years since I'd watched it and, and especially kind of like giving it a closer look and going through it more slowly and catching more of those, those like throwaway lines that maybe don't tie into the scene, but are the first time they introduce something like, the band used to be called the Jeff Beebe band. And, and then when you think about that, then you can kind of work backward through the history, like Justin was saying, and, and, and just other, uh, other things that give you a little window into this life. So um, thank you so much for having me uh, because 
It's been a ton of fun being on um, and it's uh, been fun following along with the podcast too and just hearing other people's takes. It's really enriched my enjoyment of this movie. I agree. It's, it's a movie very worthy of this kind of dig. Oh, cool. I'm glad you both uh, feel that way. And, and I really do appreciate both you actually jumping in. I don't think I said this really. I kind of maybe hinted at it, but uh, jumped in. Not, not exactly last minute, but uh, you know, close to it. And, and uh, when other others had to jump out, unfortunately, but uh, hopefully, hopefully they'll be back on later in the movie have so much time left uh just about a year essentially from when we're recording this uh, so when i when i think uh it'll be wrapping up but it's roughly one a week <laughs> uh pace at this time um but yeah uh thank you both so much um uh any more plugging that you want to just uh, make sure people know about uh, uh jarf I, I know you, you had more you had stuff earlier than uh just uh joe versus the minute that you did too you want to tell so, us more? so it- like ongoing and yes like you said before joe versus the minute um, i i helped brad mendenhall kind of he credits me as co-founder for the cosmic geppetto podcast it's really his podcast and i've i've given him suggestions and more to the point of what I plug is I'm just, I'm honored a bunch. Um, so the cosmic Geppetto podcast, it's not dedicated to one movie like this. It's, it's a wide open format pop culture podcast. um, Part of the mission is really trying to keep to the positive side of geek fandom, recognizing that some people seem to do podcasts just to, to tear apart the, the yeah. culture that they claim to appreciate. So it's like inclusive, positive geek culture. And so, you know, I'm actually recording with them tomorrow night um, yeah. with Katie and Michael, like a, we've got like a regular crew going, but you can, um, they are on Twitter at Cosmic G-Pod um, and um, Cosmic Geppetto Podcast. Um, um, find me there often. Yeah, that's great. Um, definitely check that check that out more myself. I've, I've I've certainly known about it for a while. I don't know that I've fully gone in full full bore into that. So, yeah, for for music fans, I'd note that he that's um, Brad has been able to interview some like legit musicians cool. like Richard Hell, um, Laura Lindeen. Um, Lori Lindine, sorry, Lori. Um, so it, it like started out as just like, hey, we used to do a radio show together in college. Why don't we like, do a podcast sometimes and we'll like talk to friends of ours. But then he, he found, uh, as both of you know, like if you put it out there and do the outreach, like some people will be willing to, to talk to you. Uh, so um, yeah, there's there's some episodes out there that be would probably be interested um, to fans of this show and people who follow this network. Cool. Um, and cool. Justin, what would you like to plug? Uh, so you can follow me at Cox Justin on Twitter, and then I made a Jackson Brown podcast called After the Deluge that goes album by album through his career, talking to journalists and a lot of other people who know a lot about his music. Um, and then also, so like, I don't know exactly when this will run, but so my friend Ryan Page and I also on Pantheon Podcast Network are going to be putting out a series called Beatles vs. Stones year by year. And we're going to, the the idea is not to like pick a winner of each year, but to like sort of evaluate from 1964 to 1974 um, Rolling Stones output versus Beatles output, which is really interesting as we've like gone about the process of thinking about it. Um, the Beatles are kind of hitting the ground running in 64 and the Rolling Stones are still doing like blues cover standards and stuff. And then by the time you get into the early seventies, the Beatles are done, but the Rolling Stones are making some of their best albums, but the Beatles are also doing the same thing in their sort of solo formations. And yeah, right. um, 
him and I, him and I are going to make that sort of like a friendly conversation between the two of us each time, yeah. but we plan to have like a, a five minute little guest piece on it. So Eric, I'll probably hit you up yeah. for one of those years. You can I'm glad to maybe, maybe, yeah. maybe you, maybe you take your first uh, draft a year that you want to be the guest to come in and, and make I a pick. I appreciate that. that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I definitely, uh, definitely have a little bit of a, 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 a you know i wouldn't say i'm a fan of the stones but i'm, I'm very appreciative of them and I, I i do enjoy a lot of their stuff but yeah I, I i dig in more just do the beauty of this is you could just come in and like yeah. purely praise the beatles and slander the stones for a year if you want to it's uh it's uh it's gonna kind of take a little bit of a I mean, we're not, it's not like one of us is taking the Beatles and one of us is taking the Stones. We're like right. drafting the years we take. So we're going to have to like take the stance of a debate. So on one week we could be talking one way and on the next week we could be directly contradicting ourselves. And yeah. it should be a fun, it's going to be a 10 week series. It should be a fun exercise. Cool. That's great. Love that idea. Um, love, yeah. to, love to help out pitch in um yeah so thanks so much guys um i'll uh, mention that that yeah that's like you mentioned i think you said pantheon uh pantheonpodcast.com is where you can go to find apparently right about now 60 or plus uh shows all all rock and roll or at least music uh related such as this one um but uh additionally i'll just give out uh oh my just so that way you can contact me directly with and, and privately uh via gmail email uh almost famous minute at gmail.com is how you can reach me um in that in that way and uh otherwise uh i could give a shout out as we've talked a little bit about uh, some other moves by minutes projects and so forth uh shout out to the uh ogs of of that of that style uh good old pete and alex of star wars minute they did a great nice. job at coming up with uh, the idea of minute by minute and on a daily basis, which I almost, which I, which I totally did for uh, with uh, my old co-host uh, Travis for Watchmen Minute. We did do the five day a week thing, but uh, I started out three a week and you know not not too long right at the, essentially at the time of uh, joining Good Old Pantheon in the recording schedule at least uh, switched over to one a week, which has saved my sanity. <laughs> oh well again uh thank you both and uh maybe at some point further down the road uh, i could have either or both of you back at different points possibly um i really appreciate yeah. uh what you've done here uh, great insights yeah thanks thank for having you. us thank you rick yeah you're very welcome thank you um so this uh has been minute 77 uh we'll be back uh possibly next week or maybe even take a break but uh until then We'll be back from minute 78, and it's all happening. It's all, all happening. happening. I am a golden god! You know the queen of hearts is always your best bet.